Welcome back to the Datapreneur podcast. Today I will be interviewing someone who has co-founded multiple companies, has raised millions of dollars, and has been a startup mentor in universities like USC and UC Berkeley. He has invested heavily in tech startups and works with early stage founders. This mystery man is Brendan Rogers, co-founder of Wag Labs and the 2AM VC. He has raised over 360 million dollars with Wag Labs and is now investing and mentoring the upcoming generation of entrepreneurs in India with 2AM VC. So let's get started with the interview and hear from Brendan himself. Hi Brendan, my first question to you is what are the most important skills for a founder? Yeah, great question. Some of the skills that I think I've seen like every successful founder at least have is specifically what I saw when I went to India specifically was like uh passion and grit. I feel like you know having the the will and determination to to not give up and to keep going um you know as a when you start a business no matter if it's a tech business or not tech business you're typically you know the underdog and you have to really navigate the ups and downs and having that determination to keep going i think is um something that all founders should have and that's a, definitely a skill that uh if you have it and you're determined that you'll go a far way, a long way in entrepreneurship um i also think like just being a team player and willing to work with others um is something that um you know every founder needs specifically because with your co-founders you're going to go through your ups and downs your employees etc so uh definitely being a team player and in passion and grit would probably be my top two skill sets that uh you should definitely have uh as a as a founder when you're just starting off is it a good idea to assume roles such as ceo cfo cto that's a really good question um I think so. I think that um typically you want to have obviously if you're a tech business you want to have the engineer um you know own the own the tech piece and hire and stuff like that. So I think titles make sense uh for sure. Um also I feel like typically the CEO is the one fundraising and I think that early on in pre-seed seed you have like one founder reach out to investors and one founder typically does like the initial call or at least one founder is kind of leading the conversations um so i think that yeah titles i think early on um it's really not so much the title it's more so like what is your place within the founders um so title or not i think it's just really like that doesn't really matter but understanding like what where your place is within the business early on when should you start expanding your team and what should you look for in your teammates i think like you should start expanding your team um when you can't move as fast as you'd like um and when there's too much on people's pl- on too much of the co-founders plates so if you have a very if you have a vision of how you want your tech to be or if you have a product roadmap of 
what you want your product to to become or or whatnot and you can't hit those milestones because of you have limited uh you know time and you need more people to execute on these milestones i think that's when you should be hiring and, and hiring you know talent to help you um with that vision specifically um so i think that if if it's if you're if there's a bottleneck on um getting things in the market because you don't have the talent that's when you should probably hire the talent what i've seen is like if you launch your company and there's like you you really understand you really go through the the feedback and you talk to your users early on some of those users are could be great employees you know uh, the company i started in the united states called wag um, some of our earliest employees were actually dog walkers of the business because they just were, they, they understood our technology inside and out, and they were super passionate about the mission that we were on. Um, so yeah, that's how I think that that is, uh, really, um, if you, if you, if your roadmap is just, if you cannot reach milestones, that's when you should start hiring for sure. Right. And other than technical skills, what skills should one look for while expanding the team? Yeah, I think it's just like passion. I mean, you want people that, I mean, at these earliest stages, you want people that are very passionate about the mission and the vision of the business. You know, you want to look for people that are motivated, people that like want to, to work on this problem. Um, you know, it's, you can't like teach passion. You can't teach like motivation. It's just, people have it or they don't. And I think that if you're, if you're really excited about a business and if you're a founder and you see people that are very excited and they, maybe they're, they're not engineers, but maybe they can do marketing or maybe they can do business development or like, you should really consider bringing those people on because those people are very hard to find and they're going to just help move the business that much quicker. And I think at pre-seed and seed, you know, quickness is everything um especially in these really hot um industries and stuff so uh let's say a company gains a lot of traction and they start booming immediately but they aren't able to sustain uh the development that they're getting how did how should you proceed about that well i think that there's i think that the way that i would look so you're asking me like if i was ceo how i would handle that or as, as an investor like from what lens are you asking me from both perspectives? Um, I think that in that case, you need to hire. Um, you need to raise capital so you can hire. Or if you do have capital, you should hire um, immediately. Um, because if that seems like the bottleneck is that you don't have enough people to be able to release. Um, and I would, yeah, so I would really ramp up the hiring. Um, that's how I would do it. And as an investor, if I was an investor and one of my portfolio companies had that issue. I would ask the founders, you know, maybe we should maybe get, you know, we should try to hire these roles, but in the meantime, we should get maybe like an outsourced development company that can help with the immediate needs. Um, and then in parallel hire. So then we can get people to, to, you know, make sure that we can get this growth and stuff like that. But I don't think that you need to let off the gas pedal. I think it's more so that's a good problem to have when you're growing that fast and the, you know, things aren't working like from a technical perspective, that's a, I think that's a good problem to have. Um, and I think those are easy fixes.
So my next question is, how can you continue improving and innovating? I think it's like really like talking to your users and really understanding who your target customer is and, and, you know, really taking customer service very seriously and stuff like that. I think no matter how big your business is, um, really, you know, doing surveys and talking to your customers and asking them how their experience is and, you know, what would you like to see within this product, et cetera. Um, I think that can always help you innovate. I think when companies get really large, they forget that. But I think that if you keep innovating, people are going to keep using your product and you're going to keep growing. So um, definitely keep talking to your users. You should always talk to your users. I think that even when you launch, like you should be like as close as possible to your users and really like get feedback. And as you grow, keep, keep essentially doing that so you can keep innovating and whatnot. Right. When you're communicating with your users, how should you take their feedback? Let's say there's some negative, um, just some negative feedback, but you don't necessarily agree with it. So how should you go about approaching that? Yeah, I would professional uh, in a timely manner and, you know, get on a, on a call. And, you know, I would say, even if it's feedback you don't agree with, you should still listen and digest it and understand why that feedback was given. So I would get on a call um, and understand why that person had a ne negative experience and, and whatnot. Um, I think as good founders should be able to listen and digest all types of feedback, positive, negative, you have to be versatile and you have to not let your ego or, you know, your, like you're just because you're the founder and you believe the product should be this way doesn't necessarily mean that that's correct, but being able to be a sponge and listen and iterate, um, and then making a gut decision on how you want to move forward, I think really, uh, makes up like good, good founder traits. Right. And some founders get really stuck to the mission or vision. Uh, but sometimes when the industry changes, the needs of the business also change. So how should one go about adapting to that? I think it's just, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I think it's like listening to people that you respect and that are in your corner. So whether that's your investors or mentors and stuff like that, um, but I think that not being able to adapt can really hurt founders. It can kill a company. Um, and that's really out of your control. Like if you don't have, you don't have control on how industries change and stuff like that. But if you have the, if you're willing to see that and willing to adapt to that, I think that you're going to be very successful. Um, but if you have people like investors or mentors or people on your, on your team, your co-founders, you know, telling you that like, this is what's happening. Industries are changing. We should, you know, adapt and iterate. Um, you have to be open to that feedback. And like I said earlier, is like being able to digest and, and pivot and stuff like that. That's one thing when it really goes back to my investing philosophy is like, when I look at founders, it's like, if this, if this business that they're, if this, if I invest in a business and they fail or this idea doesn't work, which probably it won't, just given the math and the, and the data, 
which is totally fine. Are these the founders that are going to kind of get back up and go do something else? And those are the founders that I want to invest in are like, yes, I care about what you're building. I care about the market you're building in, but I also really care about you as people. And like, just if this doesn't work, I'm going to back the next company and the next company. So it really goes back to like, are founders strong enough mentally and also like have the ability to adapt and, and to iterate. And it's hard to, it's hard to understand that early on when you meet founders, like you're not just going to talk to a founder and be like, okay, sometimes, sometimes you do get the feeling where you're like, okay, no matter what this person's going to do is going to win, but you can see by people's backgrounds and what they've done previously, if they've like, you know, have had that adversity or had to pivot or iterate and stuff like that in their careers. So it all goes back to, you know, the team and stuff like that. Right. And now I want to talk about people having a misconception about going to college. Uh, people think that if you go to college, you get a job, you can't ever become an entrepreneur because you have a single mindset of working for someone else. But uh, I think that gaining experience first and learning how the industry works is also important. So what are your views on that? Yeah, so um, so I went to college because I, now I needed structure. Um, I didn't know what I want to do. I played sports in college. It was something where like, I just couldn't, I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't have the ability just to not go to college and, and figure it out. I don't think college helped me figure it out. Um, I think now times have changed. I don't think you need to go to college whatsoever to be successful or at least do what you want to do and, and, and live out your passions and dreams. I think for some people, structure is good and it kind of gets them on a path to something. So I think it's like a case-by-case -case basis. I think if we're talking about startups, being a part of a startup first and kind of understanding how they work and figuring out like what your role is in the startup and maybe what your skill sets are and kind of what you like to do is extremely helpful. Um, you can gain a lot of experience from being at a startup. So then you can go become a founder. I think that's a great path. Um, that's sort of what I did. I was like an intern for a little bit and I like understood like it was really, and I really love sports. So startups and it all kind of meshed together for me, but I think that that's a great path. I also think that like, it's so easy now to start a business or at least like, like get content out there. And I feel like my views on it, or it's like, it's more so like on a case by case basis where like, if you're somebody that needs structure or if you're like really confused and you really you want to do a startup, but maybe you don't know what to do, or maybe you don't have co-founders, go join a startup. That's probably like a place where you can understand what your skill sets are and you could meet some co-founders there. But if you're a person like, I want to do this and I know what industry I want to be in. And if you have kind of all these things that you can check off on your list, then I don't think you need to go to college or to, to do anything like that. Um, I definitely think it's a case by case basis. I've seen a lot more people not go to college. I've seen a lot more people drop out of college. Um, what I've seen in India is I've seen founders that I feel like I've seen more founders work at startups for like a year or two. 
or they've worked at like a bank or they've worked as, you know, they've worked for like one or two years and then they've gone into entrepreneurship. I haven't seen too many founders like just drop out of school and like start a business. Um, and I know this is kind of like, I'm going in all different tangents, but I don't, I think it's a case by case basis, but I don't really think that it, it doesn't matter if you go to school or not. I think, I think if you can really, if you have, if, if, if you don't want to go to college, you shouldn't be forced to go to college. And I don't think, and if you, and if you want to be a part of a startup, but really don't know like what to do, who I should do it with. How do I even go about talking to investors, all that stuff? Join a startup because you're probably going to learn a lot. So then you'll have all that experience. So you can go start a business. Right. And how, how should one go about connecting and reaching out to founders, other founders, learning from them and maybe joining their startups, given that everything is online now? Yeah. I mean, now it's crazy now. Like there's, you know, it's, so I'm a huge believer in LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn's a great tool just to connect with people. Um, that you know, definitely go on LinkedIn, like find startups that you're interested in, find who the founders are and and message them blindly. Um, do that for as many companies as you can, you know, platforms, and there's also like a lot of Discord groups. Um, there's a lot of podcasts that they have their own discord groups and stuff like that, like really immerse yourself into all of those uh, different channels and, you know, talk to founders, talk to, you know, get advice. That's one thing I didn't do when I started a business was I didn't really network, but after, as I got older, I started reaching out to investors and founders and just like really wanted to like grow my personal network. And it wasn't even like asking for anything specifically. It was more so just, talking and just build like introducing myself learning about the other person and then kind of those conversations grew and those those people introduced me to more people and stuff like that so definitely go on linkedin definitely listen to podcasts get in discords get in telegram groups um all the information's out there and yeah be shameless i think like and i think that that is a it's for some people being shameless is a very hard thing and that's okay but really try to work on that because if you're shameless and you don't care what people's responses are and you just keep going like that is you're going to be just fine um and it's hard to say that to a 19 year old saying oh go reach out to the founder of blah 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 um but if you don't do it then you'll never know what's going to happen right so um yeah that'd be my advice Right. And failure is always a part of a company. There are obviously examples where they reach instant, they get uh, instant success, but there's always uh, a chance of failure. So how should one go about uh, managing the risk? I think failure is, it's, for, it's actually, I, I'm actually going through a lot of this stuff right now. It's like failure, like in like understanding like what it really means, but I think being okay with failure and knowing that like, if this does fail, I still got a lot of positives out of this failure and looking at it from a different lens and in telling yourself like, it's okay if this fails because I know I'm going to learn so much more and then the next opportunity is going to come. And I know that's a lot easier said than done. And a lot of people have 
couple big egos and they are afraid to fail. But some of the best experiences I've had and some of the best learning experiences I have have been from failures. So to de-risk that, I don't think you can de-risk that. I think maybe if you go to like a company that has raised hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, probably the company's probably not going to fail, but uh, or at least there'll be some outcome. But um, there really isn't any ways to de-risk. You know, you have to go with your gut and your instincts and your intuition. Like, you know, you love founders, you, you, you are passionate about that specific industry and you just have, that's what startups is all about. The thing with startups that is just is magical is that like, you really understand who you are as a person. Like you go through so many ups and downs. Um, you're the underdog. It's not a comfortable situation, but you really come out the other end, like a whole new person. And you, you have so much experiences, like and I think that's what allows people to grow. So there isn't any ways to de-risk failure. It's just being okay with failure. And that is very hard to do, but, um, you know, just kind of chipping away and, and telling yourself, like, you know, if, if you do feel like that, then you're going to get so many positives out of that failure. Um, for me personally, in my life, like I've had, I've had failures and I've had things that like kind of haven't materialized and it's like annoying because I'm trying to tell myself that like, you know, this, everything happens for a reason and being okay with that. And just really having good, you know, people in your, in your, in your network and, you know, and, and realizing that like failure is okay. And yeah, that's a really good question. I've never been asked that before. So <laughs> So right, failure is a part of the journey. And if you start again, you're not starting from scratch. You've gained a lot of experience and that will definitely help you in more ways than you can imagine. So now uh, I'm going to ask a few questions about the startup culture today. I've seen a lot of companies that they run on losses for the first five, six years, and they're still increasing their net worth and they're still gaining a lot of investors. So how does that happen? Yeah, I think it's a lot to do with um, just like the amount of users that these companies have. A lot of these companies that may be at a loss, you know, they have a lot of recurring users. They have, um, they're growing very, very fast, but they kind of recycle that revenue into other um, areas of the business, whether if that's hiring or marketing and stuff like that. Um, so they, they, a lot of them choose to operate at a loss but inherently they're growing. Um, and I think that's okay for the market. I think that um, these companies will eventually, uh, you know, become profitable and stuff. But um, a lot of the companies that we're seeing that are growing in market cap, um, but are operating at a loss are actually growing very, very fast from a user perspective. And uh, oh, let's say someone has an idea for a startup. How should they just reach out to investors? LinkedIn is one example that you've already given, but if you don't know anyone and you want to, you don't have a lot of credibility, how do you build that? I don't think you should necessarily start with investors. I think that um, if you have an idea, if you want to start a business and you have an idea, you shouldn't focus on investors. You should focus on like who your target customer is or who your user is and trying to build a great product with a great experience. 
I think I would put all of my energy into that bucket rather than reaching out to investors because investors will come. Investors will find out about you. You know, if it was me, I would want to, if I had an idea, I would maybe talk to people that are in my industry that I could get feedback for my idea um, and try to, you know, the, the, the name of the game is like, I, I have an idea, I'm going to launch something and I need to have a lot of, I, I'm trying to get traction. So how am I going to get traction? I would have those conversations. When you do have some traction or if you want advice from investors, then I'd go on like angel list and find companies that are maybe in your industry and maybe reach out to the investors that invested at the pre-seed or seed and just get their feedback on like, you know, why they invested in that industry, what their thoughts are on your business and just build a relationship. Um, you know, when you That was the first part of the interview with Brendan Rogers. Stay tuned for more questions and I will see you soon.